Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your quasi-daily podcast covering all things Cardinals baseball. My name is Jeff Jones, bringing you the uh, the pod this morning here on Tuesday, June 5th, before I head on over to the ballpark this afternoon. Been a busy couple of days for the Redbirds and uh, a couple more to come for sure here over the next couple. So I uh, wanted to jump right in and, and make sure that we had you caught up on the uh, the events with yesterday's Major League Baseball draft, as well as what to expect with the, uh, the, the coming weekend here. With the, with the coming, well, the coming week, I should say, with the Miami Marlins in town for a three-game set and the team off to Cincinnati for three and then back home for a series against the San Diego Padres. Uh, yesterday, the first day of the MLB draft, the Cardinals had three picks on day one. At number 19, they took third baseman Nolan Gorman from Sandra Day O'Connor High School in Arizona. At 43, they took Wake Forest pitcher Griffin Roberts. And at 75, TCU first base been Lucan Baker, the three draft picks yesterday for the Cardinals. Uh, of of the three, I think the one that clearly kind of goes outside the uh, the scope of what the Cardinals would typically do with their early picks is uh, is is Nolan Gorman. There was a lot of conversation and a lot of speculation for a number of weeks about the way the Cardinals would handle that first round pick, uh, and the assumption was that they would be looking at a pitcher with a degree of polish who might be what they call a, a fast mover through the system. Uh, Gorman being drafted at number 19 is interesting because the Cardinals have had kind of a string of draft at the game at 19 here over the past few years. Uh, Shelby Miller, Michael Waka, Marco Gonzalez, all taken with the 19th overall pick in the draft. And, you know, Miller being a high school pitcher, but the other two as college pitchers uh, were very projectable. And it was clear that the Cardinals were preferring to head out after a high upside arm, uh, one with the low, with with a, with a high floor, I should say, uh, in order to protect themselves with that selection. And so Gorman represents a, a, a pretty big shift away from that mode of thinking. He's a left-handed hitting third baseman. Uh, there are some thoughts that he might eventually wind his way into a corner outfield spot. For now, uh, both the Cardinals and Gorman himself say that he expects that he'll be able to stick in the infield. But as, as the power develops and we see how his body kind of grows over time, uh, we'll see whether or not that ends up being the case. Gorman is also committed to Arizona, though uh, Randy Flores last night, the director of scouting for the Cardinals, was pretty confident that they would be able to sign him. Uh, there are, there are no, I don't think any, any big outstanding signability concerns with Gorman. His, uh, his draft slot bonus is somewhere in the neighborhood of a hair over 3 million. And so he'll, uh, he'll receive a, a steady payout from the Cardinals that should, uh, that, that, that should prevent him from being tempted to continue his, uh, his amateur career by going to the University of, of, of Arizona. The only thing uh, that I can think of just in, in the sort of brief period I've had of studying up on Gorman as well as speaking to him very briefly on a conference call last night is that he is very good friends with left-handed pitcher Matthew Liberator, who was drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays, who is also committed to Arizona. Uh, Liberator lives about, Gorman said, about five miles from him in Arizona. And so I guess there could be some concern that if Liberator did not sign with the Rays, then perhaps he could convince Gorman to join him at Arizona. But in speaking to the Cardinals last night, that did not appear 
to be a possibility that they were particularly concerned about. Uh, as I mentioned, the second pick last night at number 43 was Griffin Roberts, a right-handed pitcher from Wake Forest. Uh, Randy Flores last night described him as being a four-pitch guy, two sliders, two fastballs, and working on working in a, working on working in a changeup. Uh, I, I think that Roberts probably represents a bullpen piece for this Cardinals franchise. Uh, it, when, when you look at sort of the way his career trajectory has played out, he was a walk-on at Wake Forest by his senior, by, by his sophomore season, excuse me. He was closing uh, for Wake Forest, and then this past year as a junior, he's been in the Wake Forest rotation. But primarily, he relies on a fastball-slider combination, and that, that sort of two-pitch repertoire uh, seems to be better suited for a bullpen role for the Cardinals. The other aspect of that, of, of being suited for the bullpen, is that in that role, uh, Roberts is a guy who could be an extremely fast riser through the ranks for the Cardinals. I, I think that, you know, when you sort of look at the way the system sets up, and there are people who have been, I think, critical of drafting a pitcher who probably profiles as a middle reliever with the second pick in the draft. But that, that, that's an area of need, I think, for the Cardinals. And while drafting for need in the MLB draft is rarely a good idea, when you have these sort of sandwich round picks uh, in, in that what Roberts was, you do have at least some ability and some flexibility to use that pick on a spot where the organization might need some additional, uh, some additional backup. I, I, because really, when you look at the way the organization is set up now, uh, Preston Gilnett is closing still at Memphis. As exciting as his, his numbers have been so far this season, he is 30. He has had little to no success in the major leagues previously and probably doesn't profile as a long-term kind of prospect. Once you get past Gilmet, uh, you know, you're looking at Jordan Hicks is ostensibly the closer of the future for the Cardinals, but the other kind of high-end relief possibilities don't really immediately avail themselves. Dakota Hudson is a name who has been mentioned in the context of eventually being a reliever, uh, but Hudson, to me, seems like a guy who would end up being trade bait more likely than not. And so with all of that in mind, Roberts definitely fills a need, and Peter Gammons last night on the MLB Network draft show mentioned that he thinks that Griffin Roberts is a, is, is a pitcher who could even make a major league debut as early as this season. And by September, Roberts could be at a level where the Cardinals would be comfortable using him in the bullpen. And so if that's the case, and you can get that kind of fast contribution, then yeah, if you have a guy like Roberts who has a mid-90s fastball and a mid-80s slider with some pretty extreme bite that I saw in a couple of videos last night, then you understand why the Cardinals would be tempted by that player. The third and final pick for the Cardinals last night is the one that uh, I perhaps am the most curious about, and that's Luke and Baker, the first baseman from TCU. Now, he came to TCU as a two-way player, was a pitcher as well as a first baseman. Uh, he's now 6'4", 265, and there were some, some chuckles around the conference table last night when Randy Flores said, yeah, you know, when you kind of look at the way his body has developed, uh, he profiles as a first baseman. Uh, Baker appears to be 
a pretty pure slugger, has power to all fields, uh, and, and and looks like he can drive the ball, led TCU in home runs this past season, but did not play the past few weeks of the year because he suffered uh, a fairly substantial injury. He fractured his lower part of his left leg and tore some ligaments in his left ankle when sliding into second base on a pretty routine base running play at the end of last season. He suffered a broken arm that caused him to miss some time, and so Baker is a player with, again, with that pure kind of power who probably doesn't fall down to the Cardinals if not for his injury history. Uh, Last night, there didn't seem to be a lot of clarity uh, about what the timeline looks like for recovery for Baker. Obviously, the Cardinals are going to want to bring him in, have him looked at by their doctors, and then sort of reevaluate. So is there a chance that the rest of this year could end up being a wash for Luke and Baker? Yeah, potentially. Uh, Flores last night said they were optimistic that once they got a look at him, they could figure out a way to work him into some situations, but it wouldn't be a total shock if Baker was a guy who ended up missing uh, the, the the majority of this season as he recovers from that injury. But once he does have that kind of recovery, that's another guy who, because the power plays so well, could see a relatively rapid ascension up through the ranks. And, you know, it's been well covered, I think, here in, in, in the local media that the hole the Cardinals have in their system organizationally is power for all of the exciting young arms that they have and for some of the athletic players they have at the lower levels. You know, if you're talking about a guy uh, like Adelis Garcia or Randy Rosarena, or you're even talking about Ibando Sosa, Oscar Mercado, guys that are on the 40-man, there are a number of really exciting, really athletic position players at the uh, at, at, at the levels in the minors that are sort of crawling up toward the big leagues, but there are very few pure power kind of guys. Uh, and I, I think that given the trend in baseball now and given the the emphasis on launch angle and the acceptance of the three true outcomes and the reliance of, of the home run uh, from sort of an organizational perspective, adding a couple of those power pieces is really, really interesting. And Luke and Baker interests me perhaps more than Gorman does, uh, if for no other reason than number one, his position is very well defined. Uh, Baker is a first baseman, and there's not much else he would be if, if not a designated hitter, I guess. Uh, and number two, there's not really a, a, an obvious strong organizational candidate behind Jose Martinez to be an everyday type first baseman for the Cardinals. I don't think that anyone is laboring under the delusion that Luke Voigt all of a sudden is going to become a 140 game player. And so uh, without that kind of organizational depth, again, Baker represents an opportunity to acquire a skill set that the Cardinals didn't otherwise have access to and a skill set that allows them to, to, to fill in some gaps in the organization. Now, All of this, of course, has to be treated with a disclaimer that I have not seen any of these three players, uh, and I've not seen any of these three players play a full game of baseball. I've watched highlights on YouTube, and so I maybe know as much as, as some of you do in listening to this about the way that these players project. But uh, it, it, at least in listening to the Cardinals describe the thought process behind the players, in considering uh, what we know to be the gaps in that Cardinals system, there is a lot, I think, to like in at least their approach in addressing some of 
of those needs. Again, drafting for need in baseball is maybe not the best model, but at the same time, if you have a couple of players that are close to each other in the way that your organization has evaluated them, to me it stands to reason that you may as well lean toward the player who more naturally fits uh, into a spot that you have a defined need for. And I think the Cardinals found that for sure, uh, at least in those later two picks yesterday evening. You know, pretty impossible to gauge and and to grade a draft in the immediate aftermath, especially in baseball. But you do sort of see what the Cardinals were looking at. Like, I don't think that there were any picks last night that when you looked at them, you thought, ah, geez, I don't, I don't know, I don't really know what this team is is thinking about this. But, but you know, like again, the the closest probably to that is the criticism I think of Griffin Roberts in terms of not being a very high ceiling guy. Uh, but a reliable bullpen arm has a whole lot of value. And even if that's all that Griffin Roberts is, the Cardinals did say last night they're going to try him in the rotation. But I think realistically, uh, everyone expects Roberts to eventually be a relief pitcher. Even if that's quote-unquote all he is, that's still a valuable weapon. And that's a tool that the Cardinals can use. And and again, according to many analysts last night, a tool that they might be able to use very quickly. And so there are, I think, some definite upsides to, uh, to, to, to drafting in the way the Cardinals chose to draft last night. All the consideration about the future of the St. Louis Cardinals has been fun, but the present has a lot of excitement, Uh, especially today. We can expect some big changes for the Cardinals. Carlos Martinez is the listed announced starter by the teams. He'll be returning from a lat strain that originally was supposed to have him miss one start that had him miss five. I I think, I think that the, uh, the original assumption was perhaps an overly rosy uh, guess on the part of the team. And so uh, so Carlos Martinez retaking the mound for the Cardinals today. His battery mate, pending any big surprises, should be Yadier Molina. Uh, Molina was in Springfield over the weekend for rehab stint. Looked fine behind the plate. Seemed like he was moving around okay. Uh, didn't report any additional problems that we're aware of to the training staff. And so it does appear that Molina and Martinez will be rejoining the team here. Uh, Molina missed 26 games with the uh, with, with, with the injury, which he suffered off the, uh, a foul tip to, I guess what we're calling the pelvic area, but he had an injury to one of his testicles. Uh, had a hematoma that had to be surgically treated, and so was recovering from that. Uh, and in those 26 games, they went 13-13. and, 13. and, and, and So I think, number one, uh, the, the, the first thing that to me stands out is that Francisco Pena did an admirable job of filling in for Yadier Molina in his absence. I don't think that anybody is going to be uh, confusing the two with each other anytime soon, but Pena certainly did a great job of handling the pitching staff. I I thought it was, you know, it it would have been great if Michael Waka had been able to finish out the no-hitter on Sunday, but I did think it was notable that in what was probably Francisco Pena's last game as the de facto starter and catcher uh, that he was able to so masterfully guide Michael Waka through that performance. And look, Pena to date on the year is hitting 233. He has two homers. He has a 612 OPS. Not a guy whose offensive numbers are going to massively jump off the page, but for a backup catcher, they're fine. Like they, 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 they are certainly fine. And when you look at the history of guys who have been backup catchers behind Yadier Molina, uh, not exactly a murderer's row. There, there, there was an old joke uh, that I used to read on the internet uh, about 
measuring backup catchers in terms of BCS, and I think it stood for backup catcher statistic. And uh, in that, Chris Widger was apparently the uh, the best all time in maintaining a strong BCS. But it sort of points out the uh, the absurdity in hoping that your backup catcher can be some sort of superstar. Uh, you know, probably Jason Larue is the closest thing the Cardinals had to a really solidly productive backup over the course of, of Molina's time as the starter. But Pena has done a remarkably good job in gaining the trust of the pitching staff and handling things behind the plate and at the plate, put up some solid contributions. Now, the other, I think, revelation that came out of this stretch is that it looks increasingly unlikely that Carson Kelly may end up being the player that the Cardinals kind of tried to sell that he would be uh, for a number of years, and the idea that Kelly is going to be the the heir apparent to Yadier Molina is an idea that I think uh, has a little bit of suspicion behind it now. I, I think, given the way that he has performed, uh, just frankly hasn't hit. Was two for twenty five over this last month with Molina being hurt, and was really a non factor. And again, you know, when when the injury occurred, the conversation with John Mosellock at the start of the injury sort of focused around the likelihood that Carson Kelly was being recalled to get a majority of the starts, but Francisco Pena performed so well, and Kelly, especially at the plate, performed so poorly that the Cardinals didn't really have a choice but to turn to Pena. And so if Carson Kelly was not able to wrest the job from a largely career backup who the Cardinals were not counting on to be a major contributor, then I don't think it, it gives a glowing report on his ability to be ready to be a, uh, a a long-term replacement for Molina should the need arise, or to be developing into one, especially, I think, with Andrew Kisner kind of knocking down the door between Springfield and Memphis. Uh, Carson Kelly looks increasingly like a piece who is far more valuable as a trade chip than as a player for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, in terms of roster machinations you can expect today, Kelly will be almost certainly sent down to Memphis uh, to free up the roster spot for Yadier Molina. The other roster spot is likely to be, at least in the next couple of days, uh, Greg Garcia's. Garcia's wife was scheduled to be induced, I believe, yesterday uh, for the birth of their first child. Have not heard yet any further developments on that front, but the expectation was that Garcia would be out on paternity leave for probably the duration of the, uh, the, the, the duration of the Marlins series, and so you're likely to see the team swing back to that alignment with 13 pitchers and 12 position players here for at least the next couple of days as, as they wait for Greg Garcia to return. And then once he does, uh, probably you'll see one of Mike Myers and John Brebbia be sent back to Memphis. I think one guy who you can expect to not be sent back to Memphis for at least the next little bit is Austin Gomber. Uh, after the consternation, when Gomber was called up for his first for his first line of duty with the Cardinals, did not get into a game. Then he was recalled here over the last week. Uh, there were a couple of spots early in the series against the Pirates where it looked like Gomber would be a solid option, did not get in. But then on Saturday afternoon, three shutout innings in relief of Luke Weaver, looked strong, faced the minimum, uh, looked like a guy who could offer a, a big boost to the left side of the bullpen because neither Brett Cecil 
nor Tyler Lyons have been particularly effective at all uh, throughout this year. And so I'm sure the Cardinals would be happy to give Gomber a shot if he looks like a guy who can reliably get lefties out and can deliver that kind of stability that you want on the, uh, on the left side of the bullpen. Now, again, we have to be careful not to let the cart run all the way in front of the course and in front of the horse here, I should say. Uh, Gomber has pitched a total of three innings, and it, it's not like he was some sort of savant throughout those three. In fact, in the third inning, uh, Marcelo Zuna had to make three catches in left field on three pretty hard hit balls, but luckily right at him. Uh, so, you know, maybe Gomber got, got bailed out a little bit by luck, but he should have an opportunity to at least contribute and, and, and show that he can be a solid weapon off of the left side for the Cardinals bullpen. Uh, mentioning Marcelo Zuna in the context of the defense he supplied, he also supplied offense over the weekend. Had his first two home runs at Bush Stadium, including a grand slam at Bush on Sunday that gave Michael Waka all the room he would need for his dominant pitching performance. Uh, there's been a lot of attention paid, I think, to some of the mechanical adjustments that Marcelo Zuna has made. Notably, he's got a little more bend in that front knee. Uh, he's increasingly using a toe tap that he used to utilize when pitching for the Marlins. And so these are, uh, these are observable changes that Marcelo Zuna has made in his swing that if you're a Cardinals fan who was waiting for him to stop driving ball after ball after ball into the dirt, I think it's fair to be optimistic that Ozuna is, is figuring it out a little bit and may actually start to look like the power hitter that the Cardinals thought they were acquiring this winter. Uh, the Cardinals go into this these next three series, again, as I mentioned, the Marlins, then at the Reds, then back against the Padres. Those are the three last place teams in the National League. And so this is a strong opportunity for the Cardinals to put some wins on the board and, and to really sort of ramp up. And the Cardinals now sit at seven games over 500. And I think that if you said they would be seven over and you'd be looking at long, you know, you'd be looking at getting basically nothing from Adam Wainwright. You'd have an injured Yadier Molina for a long stretch. You'd be without Paul DeYoung for a long stretch. You'd have Fowler and Wong hitting below 200. You'd have Ozuna not hitting his first home run at Bush until June. Given all of those circumstances, for the team to be seven games above 500 uh, is is almost shocking. And so as these things start to round into form, as the summer wears on, I, I think that it's okay to be cautiously optimistic that this Cardinals team might have a next level uh, that will allow it to put some distance between themselves and the rest of the division and really be competitors to get back into the playoffs here at the end of the 2018 season. That's been today's Locked on St. Louis Cardinals. Thank you so much for listening. And make sure you subscribe as always. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're, yeah, we're happy to have you listen, or check us out at LockedOnSTLCardinals.com. My name is Jeff Jones. Follow me on Twitter, at JMJones. Read the things that I read at LockedOnSTLCardinals.com, and make sure you stick around uh, throughout the week for more Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.